Hi folks and welcome to the Divorce Cowboy podcast. My name is Tamir Berkman and two and a half years ago I went through separation. It was the most challenging time in my life. Now as a separation coach I help men sleep better, get clarity and move forward. I hope you enjoy listening to this week's episode. Here we go. Hi everyone, Tamir Berkman here, Divorce Cowboy podcast with another episode. And today I'm really thrilled to have um, Andy on board. Hi, Andy. Hello, Tamir. Good to be talking to you across the pond. <laughs> right. So you're in the US. I am. Yes. Yes. Where in the US? Uh, San Francisco. Nice. Yeah. So Andy, um, we've been introduced through, through a mutual friend and um, you wrote a book about separation. Yes. But before we go in, into the book, I thought maybe just we'll talk a little bit about your personal experience with separation and divorce. Sure. And, and my personal experience, Tamir, will actually be a great segue to introduce why I wrote this book. So everybody, I'm a, I'm a businessman. Uh, I'm not a therapist, a divorce attorney. I'm not a judge. I'm not a mediator. Uh, I've run successful businesses. <clears throat> About 20 years ago, I co-authored two real estate investing books. I've done a lot of real estate investing. The, the experience of doing that came to a conclusion. I've said, I'm never going to write another book because it's a lot of work. And particularly if you're a perfectionist, um, you do it over and over again. So <clears throat> I went through, I had a divorce that... Um, both my ex-wife and I would both say was a little bit challenging for both of us. Um, a lot of moving parts, a very, uh, very stressful divorce. And when I get uh, stressed, Tamir, I just start writing notes. And it's just my, my therapeutic coping mechanism. And when my, when my mother was in hospice, I started to write notes and half, half my notes became her eulogy. <clears throat> the other half became an article that five U.S. newspapers picked up and ran in the Mother's Day after she passed. So I'm going through my divorce, I'm writing these notes. Um, so that's one part of the story. The other part, my ex-wife and I were, at that time we were still married, we were seeing a co-parent counselor. And the co-parent counselor said, you know, guys, you both have a lot of stress going on and Andy, you got a new business and, and you got your, your, the, the, your marriage is ending. You guys got to figure out how to co-parent on your own. How to, sorry, how to parent on your own. <clears throat> I, I recommend you both go see therapists. And I like, you know, <laughs> anything that could help bring my stress down, I thought to me would be a good thing. And I said, well, specifically, I want a therapist who has done a lot of work with divorced men. Okay, and that's not going to be every therapist. Uh, I want somebody specifically who's worked with people in my shoes. The lady I was referred to, Tamir, was, was, was excellent. <clears throat> and I, I've, maybe we'll get a sense of this as our discussion today plays, uh, goes along, but I'm a very reasonable, compromise-oriented, glass-half-full guy. And I, I was trying to apply this to my own divorce, even during the, the, the most challenging parts of it. And things would happen with, um, with my, uh, my ex. I would come in and talk to my therapist. I say, you know what? This is what happened, but I've thought it through and, and I, I, I know what the right thing to do is. And here's, here's what we're going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. 
And she would be very polite in that whole skilled therapeutic way, Tamir. She would say, I'm glad you think that way, Andy, and I appreciate your thoughts. And basically she would end with, well, you're gonna actually do the opposite of what you think. <laughs> and so I'm thinking about this, I'm like, oh my God, I'm a pretty reasonable guy. And I was absolutely floored with the number of times my instincts were, were wrong. And it wasn't just that they were wrong, but when I would hear her respond to my explanation of what had occurred and what I had planned to do, and she would critique what I'd planned to do and give me a more reasonable path, I'm like, oh my God, that is so sensible. So what I was impressed with is how often I was wrong. Okay, and how I needed help. And also I recognized not everybody was lucky enough to have a person like I found to be my divorce, uh, the person whispering in my ear. <clears throat> so I continued through this divorce and about a year later, I looked at like these notes that I had written down. I'm like, oh my God, what I have here really is an outline for a great book. And by this time, Tamir, I'd read probably a dozen books to help people get through divorce. And I'm a big believer that even the worst book, if you can get one or two points out of it, it's worth 15 bucks in a two hour read. So these books were not, not that they weren't helpful, but a better way to explain it to you is they were not complete. All right. And I was fortunate because I run my own company. And I don't sleep a lot. So I have the capacity to read a lot of these books. And most people I know will not, particularly uh, a lot of men. You know, uh, uh, we're not as, um, I got to be careful not to go down a certain path here, but men tend to be a little bit less self-reflective, um, a little bit less statistically inclined to go on Amazon and get that book. Um, so I consider myself to be very fortunate. So what I try to do, the, 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 the theme of writing this book was when I looked at my notes, I recognized that the divorce is an experiential journey. During this journey, whether it's six months for you guys or 24 months for you, you're gonna do some things right, you're gonna do some things horribly wrong and some things kind of okay that could have been a lot better. And the problem is that um, you really need that counsel on day one, not on day 300, 600, or 700. And how much easier the process would be, the process would be, sorry, if you had that counsel on day one. <clears throat> so I took these notes and I began to interview. Um, at that point, I made a decision to write this book, Tamir. I began to interview countless divorcees. What do you do right? What do you do wrong? What were the best successes? How do you guys land? How do you guys start off? Um, I interviewed divorce attorneys. I interviewed children's therapists, uh, adult therapists, uh, mediators, judges. And my role with this book is really to organize a series of 46 tips and strategies and lessons that you typically only learn experientially given to the divorcee on day one with the sole purpose of landing in a healthier place, both for the divorcee, for the divorcee's spouse, as well as their children. And my book is fresh off the, off the press. And you know I can't tell you right now, I've hit a million sales yet, but what I am proud of, Tamir, is um, the, uh, the accolades and the reviews, particularly from the therapy community, that this is the one book that a person should read 
if they're going through divorce or they've been divorced. Um, there's everything from how to negotiate an effective deal if the communications are challenging during the negotiation process to co-parenting two or three years after. So whatever stage you might be in, part of this book will be for you. So I'll kind of pause now and see what you're, I see you smiling. So I hope you have some good comments, but that's my story. And, you know, with all these books that are written, I didn't find even the first book written by a survivor of divorce. <laughs> um, and so, and I think the fact that I'm not a therapist and not an attorney, I'm not a judge, gives me a very fair uh, uh, context when I organize and present these tips that were given to me by experts in their field. Yeah, amazing. That sounds really um, well thought of um, collection and so necessary. I, I know that I was looking at books. Um, I actually read one. It was an amazing book that helped me a lot. But I also realized how in the process of separation, high drama, uh, negotiations, all of that sort of stuff. It was very hard for me to sit down and read. I really yeah. need to um, be very practical, very aware, sit down uh, every evening or, or three times a week and just um, read the book and write in my journal. And that provided me some sort of a, an, a way of dealing with the situation. So well done for writing this book. And I would love to um, pause a little bit on what you started with, with your counsel. So you mentioned, okay, so I came around, I'm a, you know, I'm <laughs> a kind of guy, I'm pretty good at making agreements and all of that. And I came to the council and I was like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. She's like, no, you're not going to do that. So what happened there? What did you come up with? What was in you when you were trying to make it right? And what was the council telling you in general terms why you were wrong? With that in yeah, uh, I'll give you a great example. And I'm also happy to say for <clears throat> if you have some listeners to this podcast who are going through a really, really difficult situation where communication is challenging, it seems like whatever he or she says, they get the opposite. He says right, she says left. She says up, he says down. I was in that point too. And I just want to let everybody know almost always it improves. Divorce is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And that improvement might come after six months, 12 months, or even two years, but it typically gets better. <clears throat> so one of the greatest examples I can give from those sessions is that uh, I asked my ex-wife, well, at that time we were still married, we hadn't finalized our divorce, for a custodial switch. She said no, all right? Um, and then she asked me for something. All right. So I went into the therapist. I didn't answer delayed. I said, I got to figure it out. I'm going to say to her, I'm absolutely fine with this switch request, but I want you to say yes to my switch request. That seemed reasonable, right? Tamir, I'm a businessman. Here's a little give, give me a little take. All right. Mm. She said, no, Andy, you're going to go to her. And, and you're not gonna tie these issues together, sorry, these requests together, and you're gonna say yes to every request she makes that is reasonable and that you can accommodate with minimal disruption. I said, but, 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 no, 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 no buts. You're gonna say yes, 
and keep saying yes, and you're not going to connect any of her requests to anything you want. And I, I, I said, I don't understand, but I've got this outbound request. She said, no, there's no reason for her to say no, other than making my life miserable or more difficult. And she said, Andy, who are the beneficiaries when these requests are made? Is it you or is it your wife or is it your children? I said, it's my children. She's saying yes to you is irrelevant. If it's good for your kids, if she wants to make a, a switch so the kids can actually see uh, um, Aunt, Su Aunt Susie when she comes to town, because that's originally on one of your custodial days, let the kids see Aunt Susie. If she's got an activity where you want to switch weekends so the, the kids can take advantage of an activity that has to be on that weekend and is tied to her, let her have that weekend. And Andy is going to play out one of two ways. She'll, she'll see a pattern that you're consistently saying yes, and you're not mentioning all of her no's. And she'll slowly start to say yes. Um, or it could happen suddenly. And I would expect you'll see some change as long as she notices the pattern after about 12 months. Tamira was literally three or four months. That was it. And she was 100% right, and I was 100% wrong. My gut instincts were 100% off. Um, another good example. Um, yeah, so, did she explain why uh, this happens? Why, why your ex actually will switch her behavior after you change yours? Well, um, yes. It takes two to fight. All right. And if you're always consistently being accommodating, even if your ex does not consciously identify the request that she's receiving with your accommodations, the toxicity, toxicity in the relationship will be reduced and you'll begin to see some yeses in response, but she may not be conscious of what she's doing and that doesn't matter. What matters is achieving the end game of, of having this improve. Mm. So, so, so yeah, so that's what she had to say. And um, it, it was fascinating how fast it happened, uh, Tamir. Uh, uh, I was absolutely floored. Yeah, and I, I see that a lot, right? We're, yeah. saying, we're saying all the time, I can't change anyone but myself. Mm -hmm. Change myself, my situation will change. Because when I change myself, other people will start mirroring me, right? Yep. So I'm the same with my ex. We had some communication issues. I was really solid on focusing on myself, getting myself better, acting from a place of abundance, um, truth, authenticity, all that sort of stuff, not shadow habits. Mm -hmm. Yes, after a few weeks, my ex started to communicate at the same at the same level. Yeah, I'll give you another great example. Uh, the the other one that really sticks out that actually really completely did not involve my ex, and my therapist helped me realize it was all about me. So, 
in a lot of situations, you have one one of the um, one of the two uh, that marries formerly married spouses ends up giving the support. Okay, so you have a primary giver of support, a primary receiver of support. In my case, I was the primary giver. Okay, <clears throat> and there was a, a payment up front. Okay, and then monthly amounts. Uh, and I saw and I disagreed with the decisions that were made on how the monies were spent. Okay, the car was too nice, so the house was over the top. Um, and I went in like, I was, I wouldn't say ranting, I was like, look at what she's doing. She's got to make this last X number of years, blah, 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 blah. Andy, her, are your kids in a safe home? Yes, they are, but, 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 don't. Andy, are your kids in a safe home? Yes, but you don't understand. No, Andy, I do understand. Yes or no, are your children in a safe home? They are. Is the car that's been selected, is it a safe vehicle? Yes, it is. Your job and your responsibility is to write the checks. Your responsibility, you are no longer uh, uh, connected to this person and it's not your responsibility to judge her. Write the check and shut your mouth was her advice, which was a very difficult thing for me to process because particularly at that time, uh, money was not easily to come by. It was initial split was made. I was in a brand new business, Tamir. There was not a lot of extra um, uh, buffer, but it was, again, it was, it, it was a mental, uh, it, it was, she, she, she left a, a mental footprint in my head that was so powerful. It's not my responsibility. If the kids are safe, that's and I've and I've cut my check. I need to disconnect. And, and for a lot of men, um, that's a very very difficult step to take. Particularly if you're in a situation where you don't have an abundance of funds, you've worked very very hard, and you don't agree with the way the funds are being spent. If you are in a traditional marriage, you can have communication, you can discuss this, you can say, well, honey, do you really need that bag? You've already got 17. She says, honey, do you really need that Porsche? You've already got five others in the garage. But you can't have those conversations in divorce. The lines are much more basic. Your responsibility is to write the checks so long as the children are safe. Now, if what he or she is doing is putting the children in harm, that's different. But if it's not, her point was, Andy, it's none of your business. And she was right. Um, and that was an easier one. I, I once she, that, that was a one session <laughs> point. <laughs> so um, in one session, I, I understood that like, wow. And again, this, but this is another great example where um, you have, <clears throat> those are two great examples where my gut instincts on how I was, uh, the, the optimal way for me to be reacting to those situations was, was just fundamentally wrong. <laughs> um, and, and this is something that, this is one of the, you know, my takeaways even at that point before I began to write the book is, my goodness, we all need some help. And, uh, 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 it, it's just, and, and I got, I consider myself very lucky to have this person in my ear. And that's one reason why I wrote the book is I want to leave some of that for others who don't always have the ability or the time or the finances to find somebody like this. Um, but you need, you still need that advice.
Yeah. Why was it so wrong? Why was your initial, whatever it was, gut feeling, thoughts, process, whatever it was, why was it so wrong? It was because well, you're, a, you're a businessman, you have all these uh, um, experiences, and still it was wrong. Yes. Well, uh, that, that's, a, that's actually a fabulous question. And with all the podcasts I've done, nobody's asked me that question. And I think the honest answer to that is the dynamics in divorce world are simply different. And this is something that whether you're a man or a woman and going into divorce, there is a, there is a, there is a learning process that we all go through to recognize we've gone from a one household environment where there were certain dynamics in place where how decisions were made, how monies were spent, what, what activities the kids who went, went, uh, were, were allowed, permitted to, to go, uh, to, to, to do, to a two household environment. And um, no matter what country you might be in, whether it's Australia, United States, Canada, or wherever, um, there are laws in place to, to protect the right of each individual in a two household environment to create their own world for the children. Um, so, the, the, I, I think, and I did not write this part in the book. I'm just kind of speaking as a knowledgeable uh, a person who's gone through all these interviews. I think the, the issue is the speed at which lives are disrupted. Um, it, it doesn't allow individuals the time to thoughtfully go through and, and really process how the rules of the game before don't exist anymore. So for example, a 15-year a marriage can collapse and be disrupted in 12 months, okay? So that is all happening so fast, we don't necessarily have the ability ourselves to recognize that what we did before doesn't work any longer. Okay, so um, you're, saying, you're saying it's the speed that this thing happens, the process happens in divorce, makes you basically make false or wrong assumptions. Yeah, I would say it's two things. It's the speed and just the, the, the utter gravity of the changes that one goes through is simply too much for people. And this is something that I, I also spoke about in, in a few chapters in my book. So, and, and my perspective, I think, was very unique because I'm one of those individuals, I, I, I run multiple businesses, Tamir. I don't, I, I can function fine on four or five hours sleep. You know, I think under the word multitask, they got my name, Andy Heller. Um, and it was too much for me. There were so many monumental changes in my life that I absolutely felt overwhelmed. And that affects people's ability to make reasonable decisions and ideal judgments. And, and that was really, so, so just think about it for a second. You, you're, you're in a household, in, in any household, whether it's a same-sex household or traditional marriage, um, one sp spouses have their roles, okay? The, 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 the spouse who's better with finances, he or she manages the finance. The other one, the other spouse has less to do with finance. Also with childcare, each goes into their sweet spot. Cooking is a great example. <clears throat> Almost always you find a household where one party does more of the cooking than the other. So when you go from a single household to, to, to two, every person, every, each spouse needs to acquire capabilities that he or she 
didn't necessarily own before, at least a level of competency. In my world, I was getting divorced. Now, my ex-wife was a great cook, all right? I'm a classic workaholic businessman, uh, Tamir. I mean, I love my kids. I spend plenty of time with my children, but I got like, I got a, one or two staple dinners I could make, all right? And when we got divorced, my kids were on a gluten-free diet, nut-free, and lactose intolerant. Can you imagine learning how to cook with those restrictions? It was a nightmare. And then my ex-wife, um, as great a homemaker as she was, she was really uh, uh, found finances to be something that really caused her a lot of stress. So, mm -hmm. so you know, sometimes, and I, I talk about this in one of my chapters, take a step back and you take an inventory of what you're good at and what your spouse owns, okay? So for me, you might be laughing, but I went ahead and found a daddy coach. I was a good parent, but I never parented on my own, all right? I always had my ex-wife. So I, I, I hired a daddy coach to watch me for four sessions and, and critique me. Um, I, I ordered tons of cookbooks, all right? And there were lots of mistakes made in the process and I did not wanna be just mac and cheese dad. Um, and uh, and I, I, uh, another thing that in, in my world, um, and I'll tell you a powerful story that a lot of your, 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 your dads will be able to, <clears throat> to um, resonate with and what I did, what I did to, to, to solve this issue. So one of the, my daughter's first birthday, once we had separated, we're not divorced yet. She gives me a list of 10, 11 kids she wants on a sleepover. I recognize correctly that I'm probably gonna have a problem because the community doesn't know me. We had just moved to the Bay Area. So not only am I, have I newly landed, but I'm newly landed and I'm divorced and people don't know me. So on this birthday party, Tamir, I had four yeses out of about 10. Three of them were divorced dads and one was a dad whose wife had passed away. Not one yes from parents where they were together. Now I recognize this problem. So what I did to solve this problem is, and I talk about this in my book, um, I saw every, uh, so uh, I'm Jewish and in our, my world, we have the, a Sabbath on Friday nights. I'm not religious, but at, when I grew up at home, my dad would always say, you, you don't go out on Fridays. We cook a nice meal, it's a family time. So I had two Fridays a month, all right? And each Friday, I invited a family of one of my kids uh, to, to be the guest for our Friday night dinner. And then for the other child, I invited just a friend. So, so everybody had somebody. But here are these strangers coming into my house and I'm cooking for them. And it's helping me learn to cook, it's putting the pressure on me, but it's also giving them a chance to see, okay, this guy that, that, that just got divorced, he's got a safe house, he's trying really hard, he seems like a, a good person. I feel comfortable to have my child come over for a play date. And after I did this for about six months into this, I never had a problem, Tamir. But my point is, I recognized months earlier, I'm gonna have an issue. And, and um, my ex-wife, she didn't have that issue because the kids felt that the parents felt a lot more comfortable. Uh, I mean, 
Is this sexist? It probably is, but this is also the reality, okay? So I need to address that reality head on and give these parents a comfort level that their children were, were safe at, at, with Andy, even at that point where I didn't, ha didn't have a partner. And that was, um, that was a great example of something that I, a lot of people would not anticipate this being an issue for dads, but it's a big issue. It's a big issue. It and is and if you have, yeah, and if you have young children, you can't sit down to an eight-year-old daughter and say, the reason why half of your birthday party is not coming over for a sleepover is because your dad's here alone and there's no partner and they don't trust them. <laughs> you can't explain this, all right? So I made a vow that first birthday that it wouldn't happen again, and it, and it didn't. So, yeah, amazing. Great tip. Love it. Um, <laughs> And I want to take you back a little bit to the separation. What was the reason for the divorce? Well, uh, yeah, we just didn't have a healthy marriage. Uh, um, and actually, the crazy thing is we get along great right now, platonically. Um, but but we're just not not we're just not a good couple. Um, fire, you know, you know, uh, oil and water. What is it? And uh, um, it just we just didn't mix. Um, so. Uh, we had an eight-year marriage. We're together, I think, 10. Um, we produced two children. So when we divorced, my children were younger, uh, which, again, only adds to the issues because you've got, you've got to uh, have a higher level of competency because the need for, for parenting is certainly much more pronounced when your children are, are, are younger. Um, mm. So, yeah. So it, it was one of those situations, Tamir, where bo both of us looked at each other and said, it's just not working. All right. Okay, so there it was mutual... Yeah, there was mutual. There was no, as far as I know, there were no third party influences. Um, and that's clearly that does make divorce easier um, if there's not already a, a new love interest. Um, so it was just like, okay, we just, neither of us have anybody else putting their two cents in. We just got to navigate the separation in a manner that that has our, our children land in a healthy place. And I, I will shout out my ex-wife on one level. So I just started a new business. We just moved across the country and my marriage collapsed. My head was spinning. You know, can you add anything else to my plate to, to, to make it more difficult? And um, my ex-wife had um, a family in her stratosphere where it was one of those situations where things just blew up. Um, the husband comes home one day, the wife realizes he's having an affair and within 24 hours, uh, uh, the wife and the three kids are kicked out. And my ex-wife watched what happened to these three kids as they aged. That was a very, that's the blow up situation nobody wants to have happen, okay? And everything that that couple did was on a reactive basis to, to in damage control. So when we decide to split up, my ex-wife basically said, I got this. I need you just to trust me. So before I knew what which way was up, we were meeting with uh, co-parent counselors. Uh, we again, I was in. I found my uh, uh, my, my own therapist. Uh, she found a children's therapist, what's called a play therapist, which I talk about in the book. Um, and we had somebody negotiating a parenting plan. I'm like, what the heck? All I knew was I was writing checks to everybody in the world. I think, you, am I am I supporting the Bay Area myself? But when the dust settled, Tamir, um, I was truly grateful because she brought the support people into, the, in, into our world to help us 
and our children land in uh, a healthier place. And again, that was another reason that gave me that idea for the book is that I feel very fortunate that while my divorce, the end of my marriage was very challenging, we had the right support network to allow for us to land in a manner where you know we don't screw up our children. Um, one of my uh, one of my most uh, uh, powerful interviews in the book, and I talk about this, was with a guy named Hans. And Hans said, and, and I truly believe that this is the the truth. He says, "Grownups, we recover. We we recover from divorce. The kids never do. The kids never fully recover." from their parents splitting up into two households. So what I took from that was, and he's right. I mean, I've since remarried. My ex has a, a, a partner she seems very happy with. Um, and, and we co-parent like rock stars together. But at the end of the day, the children I, in a perfect world, they want their parents together. They wanna to be in one home. They wanna go, they don't wanna go from house to house. So that was so powerful, that, that, that simple comment that I wrote an entire chapter about it. What did I take away from that is that we have a responsibility to do everything in our power to ensure that our children don't get screwed up for life because we chose to separate. And I, and I firmly believe it's better for the children to be in two healthy households than one that's unhealthy but it doesn't mean that's what they want, okay? Um, so, so anyhow, so I thought that was a very, very powerful observation. Wow, that's that's uh, an amazing point, and something of an anchor, right? If if I remember us separating, and one of the anchor statements that we put forward is that the well-being of our daughter is in first priority. So every decision. I or her made or are about to make need to tick that box first. Will yeah. the decision be um, be based around the well-being of our daughter? How is that going to happen? Oh, okay. Then we proceed. And that's such a yeah uh, important thing to remember, right? When you're separating. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to even add something to that. Um, I, there are so many books out there on parent, uh, on, on, um, that, that, that basically projected that same point. The kids come first, the kids come first, the kids come first. But what I noticed when I wrote this book is that we might know that that's what's supposed to happen. That's not, that doesn't assure that we're making the decisions and the choices that gives that the highest likelihood of happening. Okay, so that was a big part of my book, and I'll give you a great example. Um, so one of the most powerful interviews I had with a therapist was a, 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 a children's therapist. And, okay, I'm not the first person to write in, in a divorce book. Your children would benefit from therapy. Okay, that's, I, that's been written before. But what she said is that, she actually has a, a, um, an ideal situation that, and then a, a, a normal situation. In the normal situation, parents split up, 
and they say, go fix my kids. <laughs> but what's ideal? What's ideal is if the parents are, are deciding to split up, okay? That they connect with the children's therapists before the announcement is made to the children. And they get the kids in therapy three to six months before they learn the parents are going to split up. And the parents can come up with whatever one of thousands of reasons for this. Just and if the younger they are, they're more just just, well, you know, this is um this is gonna she's gonna be your next teacher. Go, you know, she's gonna to talk to her for six months, whatever. But why is this important? Because if, if, if the therapist it starts to get, builds a foundation of trust with the children before there is an explosion or disruption in their lives, the therapist is then positioned to be a sounding board and help them make that soft landing, as opposed to taking over a situation where he or she is in damage control because the kids are already teetering and they've already come up with their own opinions, they're already reacting. So this, to me, I, I thought, this is so powerful. And, and some of us listen to this podcast, you may say, okay, we're going to split up. Uh, we're going to tell our kids, my advice is slow down. It doesn't matter if you move out in, in March or you move out in July. All right. But slow it down. Put your big boy pants on and li live with him or live with her for three or four months. All right. Establish some ground rules. Get your kids in therapy and plan with the therapist and coordinate when she has that foundation or he has that foundation, when the, the optimal time to tell the kids where, where the therapist can provide the highest level of support and be most helpful to, for them. So these are the types of details that are missed in so many divorces, Tamir, and they can make a profound difference on how healthy your children land yeah, because you know you don't you want your children to grow up, and in a perfect world, they pick a spouse or a partner, and they've got that one partner, and they don't get divorced. All right, and if the experience that you that you have doesn't leave them with a a, a bunch of damage in their wiring, you're enabling them to have a much healthier life on on, on their own. Sometimes that means proceeding at a pace or adjusting your plans for your children's best interest in, 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 in being paramount. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great advice. And um, there's so much there, Andy, <laughs> probably like two or three hours to cover, <laughs> to cover more of this. Um, yeah. But I'm really appreciative of, of, you know, the gold that you shout on us in this episode and also just acknowledging that you were asking for support and you were going along with it and you were actually thinking, hey, hmm, that's a good advice. My initial reaction wasn't as good. I'll go with what my counsel has said. And that's, I think that's worth of, of acknowledgement because that's, that's an amazing awareness that you had that got you yeah. to and your kids to where they are, right? Thank you. And I, I, I really appreciate you saying that, Tamir. I know you've had lots of guests, you've interviewed authors before, but, but yeah, I, and that I think has really helped me create a, a powerful book here because um, I, I'm not, I've had, 
I'm very fortunate with the business success I've had, but my, one of my business philosophies that probably helped me with this book is that I surround myself with people in business that I think are smarter than me and I listen to them and they help me make good decisions. I'm not the type of business owner that says, this is my, you know, I do overrule sometime, but not after carefully processing what somebody else says. But many times, one of my assistants points out something I didn't think of, and I go with what he or she says. Same thing here. Um, I didn't realize how often my gut instinct was 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 uh, was wrong, and um, that scared the heck out of me, to be honest with you, because um, I do have the ability to look in the mirror or to hear my therapist come up with better advice and say, "I'm going to change my plan." I did have the ability to go into a co-parent session have the co-parent counselor says, I'm sorry, but I think your ex-wife's position makes more sense for the children. And I, I would listen to these things and I would process this and learn from it, but not everybody else can do that. So you've got you've to have the resources that can help you um, to, to be able to make those, those optimal decisions when you're at a high stress point in life. Yeah, yeah, great advice to get support. What was the the one thing that, um, if you can say, the, the greatest advice that you can give to dads listening to us now uh, as a summary? Uh, for dads. Um, um, oh, I would say the greatest advice for dads is, um, how should I say this? There's a lot of dads out there that um, don't insist on more custodial time. I'm a firm believer is take as much as you can handle and be a, an impactful father. But because many dads kind of check out Tamir, if you're not one of those dads and it's an uphill battle for you to learn how to cook, um, and it's an uphill battle for you to be the, the kind of homemaker that your spouse is. It's an uphill battle for you, for the other families in your community to feel comfortable to have their kids alone at your place. It's that much more rewarding when you have that success. Um, because a lot of, a lot of, there are fathers out there that just don't care. Um, and, uh, my advice to all of you is, is, is do it. For many of us, being a father is something we only have one chance to do in our lifetimes. Maybe you have a second chance. You don't want to be that dad at 20, at when your child is 25, says, I wasn't there when you're younger, but let's, I want to get to know you now. Guys, they need to know you when, when they're young. And for many of us, because of our business commitments, geography, other reasons, it could be really, really hard. And my advice to you all is it's so worth it. And your child will one day, now my children now are old enough to mirror where they, they recognize this. And I also have married a woman where her husband just checked out in a, in a different country. And she's in these kids ears all the time said, do you realize what your father goes through to, 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 to do this, do that. And, you know, it, it the, the sense of accomplishment that I feel 
um, because it was so difficult for me and because my ex-wife was a superb homemaker is, is, is one of those, is, is probably the most rewarding, um, the rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. Uh, so, uh, and, and, but look, I am the, I, I can say dads, it's an argument could be made that it's harder for us with our gender because of perceptions in society that can make it a bit more challenging, rise to that challenge, and you're gonna feel darn good about yourself 10 years later. Absolutely. Right, and, and I do acknowledge that some dads really want to be the dads, these dads, but they can't because of that arrangements or the nature of the separation or parent alienation or whatever it is that is actually make it at this point, impossible for them to do that. Yeah, <laughs> and, really and my, my comment there would be try to change that reality. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes very sadly, it's, it's by design on the part of the former spouse. Sometimes it's just due to natural difficulties, okay? Um, uh, if you haven't get divorced yet, everybody, uh, haven't signed your deal. I also talk about this in the book insist on a, on a geography clause where support is tied to you both living within a certain proximity of one another. Because you don't want to ever be in a situation where you have to chase your kids across the country just to be an involved father or an involved mother. And I'll leave this for all the women who are listening um, and the men who are receiving uh, uh, support. Um, there, and this is, this is a fascinating part of my research. And I don't, I'm going to miss the exact figure, but it's something like um, the men who are paying child support are like 60 or 70% more likely to be paying on time if they have joint custody. So in other words, if you're in a situation where your, your former spouse is pushing for more custody, but your former spouse wants to make sure they get a certain amount of support, get the book, find that page and show her, look, you want me to have more custody because look at these statistics. I'm twice as likely to pay you on time for the next 10 years if I'm an involved father. And the, but the bigger part of this is statistically, Tamir, um, uh, uh, children are much more likely to land in a healthy place with involved fathers. Um, and the beauty Absolutely. about the, the good news for our gender is the last 15 or 20 years that has gone from something that was said quietly to it in everywhere in divorce circles, it's, it's very commonly recognized in most Western countries that having an involved father is just as important as having a super mom. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Andy. I'm going to go and buy the book now. <laughs> I got so much out of it. I want to know more. So thank you very much for joining me today. Tamir, I'm a pleasure. Have you back anytime you want. Um, you know, it, it's so complimentary to be speaking across the ocean. And uh, I will tell you all, no matter what side of the pond you might be, divorce can be tough for sure. But if you do a little bit of work, maintain a positive attitude, uh, uh, be very calculated with some of the steps that you do. You, you, it, it will get better. And 
steps like my book can hopefully get you that healthy spot a little bit faster. Awesome. Thanks, Andy. Samir, take care. Thanks for tuning in to another Divorce Cowboy episode. If you or anyone you know is going through separation, please check out divorcecowboy.com.au for free downloads and resources. Or shoot me an email at tamir, T-A-M-I-R, at divorcecowboy.com.au or catch me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Until then, keep moving forward.